Welcome to News, Notes, and Rumors. I am Bill Smith, and uh, as always, with me, uh, at least until next week, is uh, my co-host, Samantha Button from NBC Sports. Hi, Bill. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Uh, how are you doing? Doing okay. Good. All right. Uh we want to remind everybody that we do have the free jobs book. It is free for veterans, retired police, fire, homeland security, first responders, basically anybody that either protected us or any of our uh, allies. Uh, contact me at uh, NNR on DSN or at Samantha Button, and we will get that in your hands as quickly as we can. Absolutely. All right. Question of the day: Are the Browns or the Indians closer to a title? Uh, I mean, this is a, a tough question. It's, it's interesting to think about because I can't even remember the last time there wasn't a definitive answer to this one way or the other. Actually, I don't think there has been in, in my lifetime. I think we've always known. It was, it, when I was a kid, it was the Browns. And when I was, I guess, an older kid and an adult, it was the Indians. So it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Um, you know, to me, I, I suppose it depends on sort of what your criteria is. In terms of, like, who's more ready now, it's probably the Indians, right? But the Indians also have a number of problems that are holding them back particularly because the ownership is still stubbornly unwilling to spend. And I think that the, the competition for the Indians is such that they'd have to spend so much money to get in there that as a small market team, you're almost out of it. And then they sort of, I think, kind of back themselves into this attitude of, well, if we can't compete, then why would we spend it all? Which is, I, I don't think, a great philosophy for the fans perspective, but it does kind of tell you where they think they're at. So, that's the policy of the truck that is honking. Um, but they, you know, I, I think they don't think that they are truly in competition for title right now, based on the decision-making by that front office, which is about the best clue, I guess, that you're ever going to get. When the organization itself, I mean, we have lots of organizations and, in any sport, really, who think they're competing when they're not. But when somebody sends you signals that they don't think they're going to compete, that's a pretty <laughs> sort of surefire one that you probably ought to believe them. So while they are further along, I suppose it's almost impossible to compare because the building process is so different, but, you know, further along in a general sense than the Browns, and certainly I think they do, as much as their track record has a lot of problems, they have a better track record than the Browns in terms of not, like, having everything look fine and then screwing it up. But <laughs> the NFL being <laughs> what it is, it's infinitely easy to turn yourself quickly into a Super Bowl team that is to turn yourself into a World Series contender. We talk about how it's not that hard to repeat as a Super Bowl champ. It's very hard to repeat as a World Series champ or even as a World Series uh, candidate because of the way the sport is structured and, and kind of what that causes. So, you know, if you look at it from that end, and I think the more I, you know, I, I'm talking myself into this, I know I'm talking way too long about this, so I'm sorry, everyone, but, um, you know, as I've kind of talked myself around to it, I think that while the Indians are probably the higher ceiling team at this point, 
because of the competition, because of the way the sport works, I think the answer is probably the Browns. I totally agree with you, and it's going to be very interesting to see how this new uh, Browns team actually operates. Oh, yeah, I mean, and, and who knows, you know, I mean, maybe it'll end up being more of the same, or maybe they will be a very good team, like the very good Browns team that we had in the 80s that kind of can't kill them up, and I mean, it's so tough if you talk about the Indians, and who's more likely to go this year? Are we more likely to see the Indians in the World Series or the Browns this year? Actually, it's probably the Indians in the World Series. The odds are terrible on both of them. But in terms of who is headed in the right direction and ultimately has the potential to be an actual winner in the near future, I, I still think it's the Browns. I don't sound weird to say it that way. Thank you. All right. Uh, the laugh of the day. Uh, Arizona's Patrick, uh, cornerback Patrick Peterson wants to, uh, wants to be traded. Will the last one out of Arizona please turn off the lights? Yeah, he's going to have to get in line. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think Arizona is in for a very difficult uh, couple of seasons, and I think this uh, current uh, administration is going to be gone very, very soon. Well, let's hope so, because honestly, Steve Kine's entire tenure has been pretty much terrible the whole way through. And yeah, Patrick Peterson, I mean, there's a big think about this yesterday, but who started the Patrick Peterson rumor? I was like, Patrick Peterson, obviously. Right. Get me out of here. <laughs> Exit stage right, running all the way. All right, San Francisco kicker Robbie Gold wants to be traded. He will not sign a new contract. Yeah, this is like, okay. I At first I was kind of sympathetic, and then you come to find out that they were actually you know, negotiating an extension with him, and he holds his talk, citing family concerns. He wants to go back to Chicago. Dude, ugh. Ugh. I mean, I understand that there is a franchise type of kind of interference technically theoretically by the rules of the league shouldn't have been able to lose. But the rules also say that it's going to tag so that's no longer true. I mean, this is, it's a bad trend. I mean, if we have even kickers thinking they can demand a trade now, this is kind of what we warned about when we were talking about the problem with the Antonio Brown thing. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, kickers are kickers. You can always, always pick one up. That's what I mean. If I'm San Francisco, I'd be like, go ahead, Ben. You're right. Like, okay, like, I'm not going to trade you, but I'll go pick up a kicker off the street. You can sit with you. Don't find your tag. Go ahead. Like, yeah. I'd call it for Absolutely. All right. Uh, in the uh, NFL news, uh, Atlanta has re-signed uh, the our uh, de uh, defensive tackle Brady. Uh, Jarrett uh, has signed his franchise tag, and they also signed J.J. Wilcox to a one-year deal. Yeah, I would just fine, that's a smooth deal. The Grady Jarrett, I'm glad they got that done on the indication coming off the head where that was was expected to be resolved, and they got it out of the way pretty quickly, so that's good. Jacksonville has exercised its five-year option on cornerback uh, Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they no, no surprise there. I mean, I, there were some assertions that perhaps he would be traded this offseason because of cap issues. I'm Glad for their sake that they didn't end up having to do that. So of course we're going to pick up the fifth-year option. The Los Angeles Rams exercised the fifth-year option on quarterback 
Uh, Jared Goff. Yeah, again, of course. <laughs> uh, Philadelphia has extended uh, the uh, deal of uh, Tim uh, Jernigan for a one-year deal. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why I don't know that you are interested in committing to long-term contracts there, but of course you want to keep them in house for the time being. Pittsburgh has given uh, Ben Rob, uh, Roethlisberger a two-year, $68 million extension. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of understand this, and I kind of don't. I mean, what are you going to do? Gonna, Ben's not done yet, so you kind of have to extend him. There's a guy who you're going to hear about it constantly, and I think they're just sick of hearing about it from people on their team. So, of course, you do it. That being said, um, he's certainly not worth any near that kind of money at this point in his career. He is on a pretty sharp decline. But I kind of understand the position in that well, what are you going to do with the quarterback? He kind of has him over a barrel, and I am sure that a lot of the reason that this got done early and to the extent that it did is because he, in sort of aftermath of what has gone wrong with the other two stars is in a position where they don't want more trouble, right? And this was the guy they sided with when it came down to right. it, so you kind of have to. <laughs> Absolutely, and you you end up uh, laying with the folks that you brought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Seattle traded uh, defensive end Frank Clark uh, for two early picks, uh, and that was really a very tough blow to that defense. Yeah, but it was a fantastic move for Seattle. I mean, they said they wanted to trade him. They got really good value back. I don't think they expected to be able to negotiate a deal with him. You can get a defensive end in the special tackle in this draft here. So I, I think just Seattle was a great move. Absolutely. And uh, the Tampa Bay exercised the fifth-year option on cornerback Vernon Hargraves. Sure, and again, another one this time. All right. In the NFL rumors category, uh, Chris, uh, cornerback uh, for Denver cornerback Chris Harris has demanded a new contract or a trade he wants $15 million a year. I mean, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. It's so absurd now. Everybody's going to try to hijack their team um, to get money that probably doesn't do. Not reasonable um, for Chris Harris. So we'll hope Denver kind of calls as well. And don't expect to see Tyreek Hill anytime soon. KC has ordered him to stay away from the team because he is accused of breaking his son's arm. Well, and, and the reason I think that this is happening now is this accusation came a long time ago, and the Chiefs just ignored it, even though we all knew it was true. This is the second really horrifying offense, and the only reason they're even doing this now is now there's audio that suggests some really, really terrible things. So telling him to stay away is ridiculous. It's an underreaction. It's inexcusable. He should have been cut. He should never play another down in the NFL. I just, once again, the Chiefs. I mean, this is just 
had the opportunity to handle this well a long time ago. He didn't. He's still handling it badly. I totally agree with you, and there is no question that when you do violence to a child, that is the lowest of the low. Well, he also, I mean, I know everybody can be only forgotten this because it was a woman, and now everybody's all wound up because it's a kid, but, you know, when his girlfriend was pregnant with the same child, the one who he's still beating up on now, he punched her in the stomach, and everybody just ignored it. So I don't like the latecomers of this party. The oh no, it's a kid thing. No, like this was a problem a long time ago. Nobody cared when he had a girlfriend. So I don't. Know, I'm just so disgusted by the situation. I'm really disgusted with the way people react to it. All right. Uh, the topic for today is the first round of the NFL draft, and the first overall pick uh, was by Arizona. And was Kyler Murray, quarterback, Oklahoma? Yeah, I don't want to belabor this one too much because we've talked about this extensively. Everybody has talked about this extensively. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't particularly like the pick, but it is no great surprise. So I kind of want to sort of move on from this one because we think we've all kind of made our point about why this was a bad idea and why we knew they were going to do it anyway. Right. We all always knew that they were going to do it. All right, the uh, number two pick was San Francisco. They picked Joey Bosa uh, from OSU. Uh, yeah, Nick Bosa, his younger brother. So, right. um, yep. yeah, I mean, in this one, again, this was 100% expected. Exactly what we thought would happen. Um, it's the right pick for San Francisco. So, assertions perhaps that they might play back here just a little bit. And then there's a good argument to that that says, okay, there are other guys who I think are first. And they really could use a lot of pass rush because they had yeah. very little last year. I mean, I think that defensive line is, is actually going to be quite good. Now, there were some pieces there that were kind of headed in the right direction, but they needed this. It's the right pick. I yep. Again, you know, yeah, sure, you could have traded back, but why? Why? It's right there from the taking. Absolutely. Number three pick was uh, the Jets. And they took nose tackle Quentin Williams from Alabama. Yeah, uh, this is a great pick for the Jets. Again, it's kind of a no-brainer. Um, you know, a lot of people thought Quentin Williams was the best all-around player on the board. I don't know if I agree with that, but certainly he's outstanding. Um, he's right there. Of course, you take him. Well, they, the other problem was that they had absolutely no run-stopping ability last year. Well, sure. I mean, he's a fit, obviously. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. All right. Uh, number four was Oakland, and this one really surprised me. They took uh, Kalen Farrell out of Clemson, defensive end. I Yeah, this was a real head-scratcher, and I first of all, I was surprised that they actually made all three picks, and we'll get into that later. The other two made... More sense than this one, but Colin Farrell here, I mean, that's like 20 spots ahead of where this would have made sense. I mean, it's just baffling. This is what happens when you send all the stuff a week before the draft. 
right? I mean, if I'm with guests, I'm happy enough that I'll be done. I don't want to be held responsible for this. But it's not that he's a bad player or a bad kid, but at fourth overall, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Way, way too early. Way too early. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, uh, number five was Tampa Bay. They took linebacker Devlin White uh, from Duke. Uh, I'm sorry, from LSU. And this made sense. Um, you know, we had the, the two Devons, um, Devin Hoyt and Devin Bush, and a lot of speculation that both of them are kind of potential candidates to fall and perhaps not for any good reasons, but just because it always happens to somebody. But, um, you know, I think this is a good pick for Tampa Bay. I think it's sort of a slot appropriate pick. Again, pretty easy one for them. Makes sense. The next pick really surprised me. The New York Giants selected quarterback Daniel Jones out of Duke. I mean, I, you know, Dave Gettleman is amazing. I, I'm so grateful for Dave Gettleman because it gives us all so much material to work with when we talk about these things. And it's, like, for the record, I'm not opposed to their drafting Daniel Jones, who has, I think he's a good kid from that organization. He has strong connections to the Manning family. He's a Manning camp kid. So it makes sense to pair him with Eli. It's, he fits for sort of the Giants. I guess the, the way that they conduct their franchise and who they want there. I don't have a problem with them taking Daniel Jones. I have a huge problem with them taking Daniel Jones six overall. Like, did anyone tell them that they could have done that at 17? I mean, it's like, I, why? Why? I, it's like they wanted him so bad that they were just like, well, we're just going to do it. Like, it's like you're going, well, you know, you could have had him at 17. Well, we can take him now. I, it's, oh, wow, wow. Absolutely. That, and they have really not been run well for a long, long time. Well, get him a train wreck. I mean, his entire 10 years been a train wreck. He was the biggest joke of the draft last night. And that will get worse if he continues to be bad throughout the entire first round, which we'll get into later. But, yeah, they're a mess. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, number seven uh, pick was Jacksonville. They took linebacker Josh Allen from Kentucky. I think that was an excellent pick. I don't think they had any idea he was going to be there, and I think they could not get the uh, card up fast enough. Yeah, I mean, there was, I, I don't think anybody expected him to be on the board at this point, including the Jaguars. Um, it's a little bit, I mean, I guess my only caveat on this is that he, he would have made poor sense in the 3-4, but again, this is an incredible talent. I mean, make the adjustment if you have a player who looks like he's going to be exceptional, but you could adapt your scheme to fit that person. So, yeah, he's right there. Of course you're going to take him. All right. Uh, number eight was Detroit. Uh, tight end uh, T.J. Hackerson uh, from Iowa. Yeah, and this makes sense, too. I mean, it's that we had mocked Detroit a defensive pick. I think they should have made a defensive pick. But if you're not going to make a defensive pick, if you're choosing to support your offense with this pick, then... Yeah, then C.J. Hawkinson was probably the best available offensive player on the board to meet your needs. It makes sense. Uh, number nine, Buffalo. Uh, they took defensive tackle Ed Oliver from Houston. Yeah, this is a nice pick um, for, for Buffalo. Again, a guy who I'm not sure they expected him to be on the board there. He'll be the heir apparent to Kyle Williams. He's 
a little bit exceptional player, a little bit limited though, because he is really a guy who's his size kind of dictates that he is, has to be a three technique and a four three. Um, the Bills are well set up for that. So this is a good match. Um, probably if I'm Buffalo, I'm like, oh, I, I wasn't expecting this guy to be here at this point. So yeah, absolutely. And uh, number ten Pittsburgh, uh, who made a trade with Denver uh, for number twenty, number fifty-two, and number uh, the uh, two thousand twenty uh, third round pick. Uh, they ended up uh, picking Devlin Bush from Michigan. Yeah, and this this, this actually makes sense. Um, I, it's odd because I, from what we were hearing, and sort of the real-time reactions to this. Nobody from either side seems particularly happy with it. The Denver fans were upset that they traded down. The Pittsburgh fans felt that they gave up too much. But this actually does make a lot of sense for Pittsburgh. He was clearly their guy. They moved up. They went to get their guy. It'll be, I think, a good sort of uh, replacement for Ryan Shazier. So, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with this pick. I think it makes sense. That defense has not played as well when Shazir uh, went down, as they did earlier. And that oh, yeah, is a critical situation. I mean, it's been a bad defense for a long time for a lot of reasons. But yeah, I mean, so the issue with Shazir, who was a tremendous player and just had a horrific thing happen to him. It's, it's nobody's fault. It's not their fault. They, when they drafted him, he was the right person to take. It's certainly not Shazir's fault. It's just a horrible, horrible situation. And so, yeah, I mean, this is, you need to address the issue. As, as sad as it is to have to do that, it, it's time. Number 11, uh, Cincinnati took offensive tackle Jonas Williams from <coughs> Alabama. Not that they couldn't really use a good offensive tackle. Yeah, I mean, it's not where I thought they would go. Um, certainly, I think they had seats that were greater than this. Um, I don't have too big of an issue with the pick because he is a good prospect and they do need one, like you said. Um, I, again, I, I just don't know that this should have been the highest priority, but I also would not call it a bad pick. Alright, number 12 was Green Bay. Uh, they took a very interesting guy, uh, Rashawn Gary uh, from uh, Michigan, and that was a really good pick. Really? I hate this pick. I think Green Bay was probably, outside of the Giants, it's the worst we saw in the first round. I mean, John Gary has a much lower ceiling than a lot of people who were left on the board at this point at his position. I just, I don't know what Green Bay is thinking. It's like you can see the logic behind it. You can see why they did what they did, but the specifics of it are still wrong. I don't understand what they're doing here. That defense could use any help it can get. Oh, well, absolutely they could. <laughs> but then why not take a better player? There were a number of them. I mean, That's this guy true. has yep. some pretty bad tape that shows him just getting absolutely run over over and over again. I'm not saying he's not a, going to be a contributor as an NFL player. And if they had taken him later in the round, I would be fine with it. But that's a lot of incredible talent on the board that you could have used to take a guy who's kind of okay. I mean, I... Okay. Oh, this is bad. <laughs> All right. Uh, Miami, number 13 pick, uh, took defensive tackle Christian Wilkins, who also played running back for Clemson. I 
Dallas District, um, with Miami, and the beauty of being the Dolphins here is you could have taken pretty much anything, and you have a need for it. So, yep. um, look, so you just kind of shoot your shot, you know, look, who's available, who do I think is really could have gotten the best player on the board. I don't think he was the best player on the board, but I think he was up there. Certainly, I have no issues with this pick at all. I think this is good for the Dolphins. All right. Uh, the offensive line got a little help from, uh, from Atlanta. Uh, in terms of guard, they took guard Chris Lindstrom from BC. So this was kind of weird. Um, look, they needed the offensive line help. There's no doubt about that. They took two offensive linemen in the first round. A little bit surprising on one hand to say, okay, you know, good for you guys for recognizing, you know what, like, what is the strength of our team? What can we do to help the strength of the team? Just using to complete that offensive line. So, sure, fine. Lindstrom definitely an overdraft at this slot. Um, and if you didn't need anything else, I would say, okay, it doesn't really matter if it's an overdraft. But it, it's just propensity for ignoring the defense um, by the Falcons. And then when you put this together, too, with the fact that they find two guards in the offseason as free agents, it's kind of odd. I don't know that I'd say it's a terrible move. It's not. It's just not the move they probably should make. No, I totally agree with you. And that defense was horrendous last year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, number 15. I thought it was very interesting that uh, OSU uh, Dwayne Haskins waited to number 15 to get drafted by Washington. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think plot-wise it's kind of appropriate. It's odd that nobody moved up to get him. Um, it, look, this is not a bad thing for Washington at all. They needed to address the issue. I was so afraid they were going to take Duloc here, which is, I mean, if Haskins had been gone, if, if everybody was off the board, I, I think that, to me, Locke was fourth out of the four quarterbacks who were there. We knew Kyler was going to be gone. If Jones had been there, I would have taken him over Locke as well. So, smart of them to, to take Haskins. I was a little bit surprised he lasted as long as he did. I, I'm guessing teams just didn't feel... Like he was enough to move up for him, and we ran some title with the team, but the team need a quarterback. But good news for Washington. I think this was the right pick for them. They, he was obviously upset when the Giants didn't pick him. Um, we saw the, the video there of him kind of reacting to that, kind of smirking a little bit. You kind of get that. I mean, I, I do think that Daniel Jones is a better fit than Roy Haskins for the Giants, so in a way that's correct. But to see that happen at number six, you can see why Haskins is kind of sitting there going, wait, what? Like, <laughs> so, um, you know, I think this is, it's a good fit for both sides. It's a good pick. And I think if I'm Washington, I kind of am like, I can't believe this guy's still here. Of course you're going to take him. <laughs> Absolutely. And that was a real uh, bonus for Washington because they thought they were going to have to trade up to get him. And they ended up staying exactly where they were and taking him there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's great for, for Washington because you, you get your guy. And there was every chance that, that he was going to get snagged out from under you, and it just didn't happen. So really, really nice for the Redskins, and, and pretty nice for Haskins too. I mean, yeah. he, he kind of grew up in the area. Called, uh, grew up in the area, I believe. Um, went to, I think he went to high school in the Maryland area as yes. well. So, so that's nice for him too. Absolutely. All right, number sixteen, Carolina Panthers drafted defensive end Brian Burns from Florida State. Not that they didn't need a real defensive end. Yeah, this was kind of like, it's hard to look at the pick and say bad, because they they needed it. And certainly, Brian Burns is a perfectly acceptable pick at this spot. And 
with your needs and everything. It's just, again, one of those where you're going, well, this isn't where I would have gone. This isn't what I would have prioritized. But not too many complaints about this because it is, I think, a, a pick that will help them. It was the right person. It's the right squad. So I, I get it. I get it. Absolutely. Number 17, the New York Jets uh, from Cleveland. Uh, defensive tackle, Dexter Lawrence from Clemson. I mean, again, I don't want this to come off like I'm criticizing Dexter Lawrence or saying, oh, Dexter Lawrence is terrible because he's not. But couldn't you have taken a far better defensive line prospect at six and then still gotten Daniel Jones at 17? I think so, yes. Why did you do this? So dumb. So dumb. Absolutely. I totally agree with you there. And uh, interestingly enough, Minnesota was number 18 pick. They took center Garrett Bradbury uh, from North Carolina State. So, most people like this pick. Um, I'm sort of in the gray area on this one. Um, the good news is, is they, they went offensive line, which goodness knows they needed to do that. You spent a million dollars on Kirk Cousins, so the only thing that you should have been worrying about in this draft is rounding out that offensive line. The only thing. So, okay, good, great. You took an offensive line. I'm not sure why you choose a center out of all of that, <laughs> but again... I mean, I don't want to come down too hard on them because, you know, they did recognize that, okay, we need to be going after offensive line. They did do that, so not a bad pick. It's a little bit odd considering that I think that I probably would have been looking at, at guards and tackles here, so a little strange, but, you know, not terrible. Just odd, odd. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I've got a real problem with number 19, Tennessee. The Browns should have gotten the draft uh, between the Hall of Fame and uh, the Cleveland Stadium. They should have gotten the draft rather than the uh, Tennessee Titans. And I'm really irritated about that. Yeah, a lot of Cleveland people are. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just like one of those things I can't bring myself to care about. But I know a lot of people in Cleveland were upset about this. So it um, doesn't really have anything to do with Tennessee. Pick here, but sure. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, they, uh, Tennessee traded, uh, picked uh, defensive tackle uh, Jeffrey Simmons from uh, Mississippi State. Yeah, and this one was a little bit, I mean, he has some pretty serious off-field red flags. He's also coming off of an ACL. Um, his case, I guess, a little bit different than some of the others. He is because he was... Sister is still pretty inexcusable and still bad. Maybe not quite as bad, certainly, as like it say a type kill. There were some circumstances here, but when you put that together with the issue with the ACL, it's a little bit, I, I guess I'd call him a concerning pick. That being said, if he can keep it together, and, and to his credit, he did kind of acknowledge what he did and apologize for it, and again, it's different than these guys who are beating up on their wives and beating up on their kids. It's closer to a judgment error. Um, it was a bad look. I think that they came anywhere in the first round because of what just happened with Tyree Hill. But again, you know, not quite the same situation. And 
Mike Rabel, obviously, I'm sure, salivating the idea of getting a defensive player who is that good at that point in the draft. He has an incredibly high ceiling. I'm not super worried about his character. I, I don't like it. I, I don't like what he said. But I don't think he's a guy who's going to be sort of a continuous problem in that way. I'm way more worried about the ACL and sort of what that means for him in terms of injury and when he's ready and so on and so forth. But if he turns out to be healthy and if he can stay out of trouble, which I guess he probably will, then this is a pretty big deal at 19, talent-wise. <laughs> That's true. No question about that. All right, number 20, Denver picked tight end Noah Font uh, from Iowa. The two tight ends were picked out of Iowa uh, this in the first round. Yeah, and, and no great surprise there. We fully expected both of the Iowa tight ends to go in the first round. I mean, Denver, I mean, they, they do need a tight end. It makes yep. sense. I mean, and let's all just pause for a minute and appreciate that I, I guess his staff locked him in an equipment cage or whatever they had to do with John Elway to make sure he didn't take Drew Locke here. So, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I, this is a good job by Denver, which is such a weird thing to say when you're talking about an Elway job. But, yeah, I, I like the thing with Denver. I think it makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, number uh, 21, Green Bay took safety, Darnell Savage from Maryland. Again, what are they thinking? I mean, I have no issue with taking a safety here at all. I mean, I think it, it, that did need to wait until the end of the first round. There was really no, I, I guess what I would call first-tier safety. They were mostly second-tier safety, but Green Bay does need help there, and I have no problem with taking the safety at this point. On, However, Savage, I mean, he was way down most people's boards. This is yep. the first safety off, and it's so far from the best safety out there. I, I think you, you got the position right, certainly. And this happened with their first pick, too. It, it wasn't that the priority was wrong, it's that the person was wrong. I mean, I had four or five things that I liked off the board before Savage. So, I don't know what Pierce is doing. They're like, it's like half right. It's like they get there and they're like, this is what we need. And it's like, yes, good Green Bay, that is what you need. And then they take some dude who's like five slots down from they probably should have done. And they had to trade up to get there. Uh, they traded with uh, Seattle uh, for a second and a fourth round pick. Yeah, this is the other, like, dummy. I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. I'm glad you brought that up. This is the other, like, dummy component of this. Why on earth would you move up to face a guy who would have been available in the next round? And again, if I'm Seattle, I mean, I, they're... Yeah, we can trade all over the place. Like, yeah, well, I guess sure, I will take advantage of someone else's stupidity. Why not? <laughs> oh, Green Bay, what are you doing? Absolutely. You doing? <laughs> Number 22, Philadelphia. Uh, they took tackle Andre Dillard from Washington State. They also traded up to get him uh, uh, with Baltimore uh, a fourth and a sixth. Uh, pick to Baltimore. I, this was such a savage move, speaking of the word savage, because everybody knew that the Texans wanted him, right? And Philadelphia just went in there one slot ahead of them and grabbed their guy, the Texans. Well, we'll talk about that Texans pick in a minute, but they just got jumped 
here by Philadelphia, yep. which is kind of hilarious. And it's not what I thought Philadelphia was going to do. I didn't see them moving up. I didn't see them going offensive line. But this is your heir apparent to Jason Peters. This is a good pick. It's a nightmare for the Texans, but well played, Philadelphia. They knew exactly where to move and when to do it. <laughs> Absolutely. And they didn't give up a whole lot. No. No. I mean, this is like, I don't want to say free, because of course it's not free, but it didn't cost that much. I mean, I'm not exactly sure what the thought process behind what Baltimore City here was, but for Philadelphia, yeah, absolutely. Good move. Yeah, they, they gave up a first round, a fourth round, and a sixth round. Yeah, which is a very small price to pay to make sure that the, the legacy of the position after Jason Peters continues, in my opinion. Yeah, so. and there's... Very little question that Jason Peters is going to be a future Hall of Famer. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. He's an absolutely incredible player. I think he's lasted a lot longer than anybody thought. Really, really, uh, certainly I think you can look at him as somebody who, well, I think will just let you play it. So you don't want to anymore. But he is getting up there, and it's time for them to start thinking about it. This is smart. I like it. Number 23, Houston. Uh, Houston took defensive uh, uh, offensive tackle Titus Howard out of Alabama State. This is, do you think they panicked and like flagged did, yes. on all of the names yep. that should have been there and they didn't know what to do and they just pulled a name out of the air and grabbed this guy who was like five yep. down the board or so because Philadelphia moved up and grabbed their guy? Like this is a panic move. Like, to me, it's like either you sit back and you stop and think and you say, okay, they took our guy, but there are still guys here. I mean, why not pick Cody Ford, right? There's somebody sitting there who would have been a nice pick for but Or if you can't settle yourself down and figure out what to do, trade back. Buy yourself some time. Instead, they did this. Terrible. <laughs> I don't know what happened here. It was bad. <laughs> it was very bad. And it is going to end up costing them because Alabama – a state is not one of your powerhouse teams. Uh, no, well, and just, it doesn't even matter. I, just, there were a number of, of guys at the position group who would have been fine here. Even yep. if they're not the one you wanted, you would have been fine. And, and then they just decided to go and grab some guy who nobody was paying any attention to this position. Like you said, I mean, Alabama State. I, <laughs> why? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Oakland took the first running back off the board, uh, Josh Jacobs from Alabama. I mean, this is predictable, right? Like, I, <laughs> totally predictable. Um, I, I don't hate it, for the record. Um, you know, in the grand scheme of, like, incredibly stupid things that Oakland could have done, this was not the stupidest. Um, I actually thought that they should have traded out of this one. You can't, you're not going to trade the first one because you need to make it, although they could have, given what they did. But, you know, theoretically, you're not trading that first one. This the third one, not really enough value. I don't think we'll make it worth trading. This is the pick you shouldn't trade. Get out of the round, get more picks. That they weren't with Jacobs. It's just not terrible. Um, well, they did need a running back. It was something that needed to be addressed. So I'm not super surprised by it. I don't think it's a terrible move, at least if we're judging by Raiders' standards. But, again, not what I would have done. <laughs> uh, then Baltimore, at 25, took wide receiver Marquise Brown, who is a cousin of TD. Yeah, um, this is Antonio Brown's cousin, so right. make of that what you will. Um, certainly, Hollywood Brown has had some 
flags on him, not serious ones. We're not talking about legal troubles or anything super serious like that, but, but definitely a guy who a lot of people think is going to be difficult to deal with. I'm sure being Antonio Brown's cousin doesn't help with that. But, um, you know, I, I'm not sure I think that Lamar and um, Hollywood Brown is a great care. What could go wrong? Um, I mean, and he's a, he's a good receiver. He, he's undoubtedly the, he was the best receiver on the board, I think, as long as that's the correct type of receiver that you're seeking. So I don't really have a problem with this pick in that sense. Um, I don't know really in some ways why you spend your first rounder on a wide receiver when your quarterback can't find a wide receiver to throw to him accurately. But we all know that they believe in Lamar, right? So if we're going off of a line of thinking that says you totally believe Lamar's totally fine, then of course you're going to take a wide receiver. So it does make sense by that logic. And certainly it's the right guy if you're going that position they're going to have a very tough time this year because the uh, NFL now has a way to stop uh, the run and particularly the quarterback run, and that is going to be a real problem for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just think that in some ways, and I mean, let me know how you feel about this, but in some ways there, there wasn't really a good, I mean, I'm kind of glad when they traded back. Um, it, it, it don't, in some ways, it didn't make sense. In other ways, I thought, there's not really a good pick for you if you're Baltimore, right? Like, you have some problems that, like, can't be solved by anything you can do with a first-round pick. So, I I get it. Um, I, I just think that they're prioritizing wrong, that they have misread their own situation. And this, well, this pick alone isn't really the problem. It's sort of symptomatic of the Ravens kind of misunderstanding their own situation. Does that make sense? Yep. Absolutely. And if he doesn't get better at throwing, uh, he's not going to help. Well, yeah, like what, what good is any receiver? I don't right. care if he's the best receiver <laughs> in the draft. If your quarterback can't figure out how to put the ball near him. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Indianapolis had the draft pick. Uh, they traded it to Washington for a second uh, of 46 and a second in 2020, the Washington Redskins took defensive end Montez Sweet from Mississippi. So I have mixed feelings about um, Indianapolis deciding hard with this pick. It's not a terrible move, but I don't know if I love it. On Washington said though, okay, this is weird. We always, Washington is one of those perpetual ones that we all hear us to laugh at, right? Like, the insiders can interfere with Jackson's do something super stupid. They actually have a really good first round. They get Haskins at 15. They get Montez Sweat here, who I think had, is probably a top 10 talent, but he fell because of the, the heart condition issue, right. which we're now hearing was a misdiagnosis. I don't really know what to believe there, but, you know, talent-wise, certainly he is this very, very high-caliber player. And to get him and it's just, I wow. I mean, it's so weird. correctly. So weird. <laughs> it really is. And it is. Uh, I think that there's no question that the heart issue uh, that was misdiagnosed from uh, the combine really hurt him. Oh, yeah. I mean, he should have gone in the top 10. And he's so bad. Because. 
first of all, again, this is one of those, geez, you are pummeling down the records for something that's so not your fault, and it's got to be horrible to deal with anyway. And the diagnosis did say that they didn't think it would attract him, and that it was okay for him to play, but you also understand it from Duke's perspective that that's a, that is still a risk. You know, and now we're hearing it from this diagnosis, which I don't know what to make of that. I mean, it's odd to hear the, the day of the draft that somebody was misdiagnosed, and they're fine. That makes me suspicious. But at the same time, you know, if it really was kind of a non-issue all along, then it's, that's a tremendous deal in terms of talent for the plot, for sure. Absolutely. All right. Number 27 was the Oakland Raiders. They took safety, Jonathan Abrams, out of Mississippi State. So this was the pick by the Raiders that I hated the least. Not saying I like it. I'm saying I hated it the least. Um, I, I like Ebers. Um, he was one of my favorite safeties. I'm not sure it really makes sense for the Raiders. He was a good with some things to help with the position group, and I like Abrams certainly. So that was thinking, but um, so I was fine with this pick. It's probably the only Raiders pick that I felt like, well, okay, okay, sure. All right, uh, number 28, the Los Angeles Chargers drafted uh, defensive tackle Jerry Tillery from uh, Notre Dame. I thought this was a great pick. Um, the Chargers, and this is two years in a row now, had a graphic guy who wasn't the big headliner. They got Derwin last year, Derwin fell unexpectedly, and they were able to jump on that, and obviously that has paid off tremendously well. And Hillary here, I think, is a great pick of strength and I would consider to be an already good defense. I love it. Good job. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Seattle, number 29, took uh, uh, defensive and L.J. Coulter from TCU. So this is weird. This whole thing is bizarre because the way that they have traded it, given them to pick the row, and then they let the clock run out on the first one, which is probably because they were negotiating the trade of the second one. Holding it just beyond strange. And I think that Seattle had a really good opportunity here to kind of say, okay, this is why we made the trade we did with Kansas City, and we're going to go and address defensive line here. And this was not the person who you should have picked in order to do that. It's not a terrible pick. It's just well ahead of thought and weird. So that's the worst thing that we saw anybody do, but kind of bizarre. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, let's face it, that is a, the pass rush is critical to Seattle's defense because their defensive yeah. backfield is not all that strong. No, no, and that's why I just kind of don't understand why they did what they did. I mean, trading like Clark made a ton of sense because it was, <laughs> you got a nice haul there and they weren't going to get a deal done with him. So, but you could have addressed it better than you did I guess yes. again it's not the worst thing you could have done but sort of odd I guess I'll say it was odd <laughs> absolutely number 30 the New York Giants uh, traded uh, Seattle uh, for number 4 uh, number 37 and 142 they took the Giants took uh, uh cornerback uh, DeAndre Baker out of Georgia. 
Yeah, and this is like just a complete the idiot trifecta for the Giants. I mean, what is he doing? What is he doing? Trade back into the first round to make a throw and pick. It makes no sense. I. <laughs> He's amazing. So amazing. But it, it, basically, it shows that uh, even fools can be general managers. I, he just, this guy keeps getting jobs. And, and he was bad in Carolina, too, right? Like, this isn't yeah. a mystery. Right. Who knew? Absolutely. <laughs> I totally agree so with you. so much fun for us. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, all right, Atlanta traded with uh, the Rams uh, for a uh, second round 45 and a 78 or 79 pick. Uh, they ended up taking tackle Kaleeb McGarry from Washington. Yeah, and I don't want to spend too much time on this from the Atlanta perspective. We kind of talked about this. We kind of hit this earlier saying, okay, you know, good for you. You're working hard to address the offensive line. Um, my, my one gripe with their end of this trade is that I don't know why you don't take Cody Ford here instead. Um, better player, so that's kind of weird. But um, okay, fine. Um, I, the Rams, on one hand, I think okay, you know what? Like there's going to be talent available in, in the next round, and you probably could benefit from the extra picks. However, you just traded a pick to somebody taking from the same position group that you should have been taking from here. So right. That's a little bit. I don't love the move for the Rams, for the Falcons, I'm kind of neutral about it, I guess, but Rams, I, I don't know about this. <laughs> well, and uh, again, I totally agree with you there, and they could use wide receiver help. That's also true. Also true, and there was yep. a lot of the wide receivers did not go the way that we thought they would. Right. And there was a lot yep. of talent left there as well. Absolutely. So. <laughs> and number 32 was the New England Patriots. They took wide receiver can, uh, Neil Harry from Arizona State. This one made, this is actually who I mocked for the Patriots here. So I, I'm pleased with that. Um, but it makes sense. Um, go get that big body wide receiver. They, I mean, it's a little bit disconcerting because the Patriots have not had a great track record on terms of, it sounds weird to say this, I know, but they don't have a great track record of first round receivers. Um, you know, the, the last big one was Cordy Glenn. That was, what, 90? I guess 90 was a long time ago. Um, right. So it's sort of interesting, but it, it does make sense. You go get that big body guy because you absolutely cannot count on having Josh Gordon. I like to kill Harry for them. I, this is a good pick, for sure. It, overall, I what, do you, what did you think of the draft? Well, um, oh, boy, let's see. So... I think for the most part, the teams that did well and the teams that did not were not a great surprise. It was mostly dumb teams doing dumb things and smart teams doing smart things. So kind of unsurprising in that capacity. Um, you know, I, I always think it's kind of fun to look at this in terms of sort of initial impressions, winners and losers, and obviously we would not presume to grade them now because that's impossible and don't really know, um, you know, who's going to be what at that point. But, um, I do think that I liked, let's see, um, I, kind of on the sense about Atlanta, um, I think that Buffalo did well with their pick, I think Tampa Bay did well with their pick, uh, Jacksonville got another one, um, those were all, I think, teams that kind of had a good, uh, a good run where 
where they had it. Um, Denver, Denver, much smarter than I expected them to be. Washington had a great draft. That's super cool. We haven't seen that in a really long time. Chargers had a great pick. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, Green Bay, absolute disaster. The Giants, absolute disaster. The Raiders, disaster, but not as big of a disaster as I anticipated by later standards. <laughs> so, you know, I guess you, you have that. Houston, obviously terrible. Seattle, kind of a head-scratcher, too. Rams trade now, kind of a head-scratcher. Everybody else kind of fell somewhere in the middle. What did you think? I agree. I, I... Totally agree with you there. Um, I thought that uh, Washington did very, very well. They got their quarterback. They also got a uh, decent uh, offensive line, or defensive line, rather, in suite. Uh, I thought they did ac- excellently. Uh, the other drafts I really was not particularly I- enamored with, particularly when Arizona used the first overall pick to take a real risk on Kyler Murray. I, yeah, I mean, I think we're all kind of like the Kyler Murray thing. Is, yeah, and all that's unanimous. But yeah, it does need to be said that, yeah, that was terrible. I mean, they've done so many terrible things over the last couple of years. And, oh, you know what we didn't talk about? Speaking of that, so... You had a window in which you needed to trade Josh Rose to get back to the back, given that you were going to do this, right? And <laughs> they didn't do it. They didn't do it. So then every team then that had a need, so your potential trade partners, the Giants, and in, all these guys, went and got their guy in the trap. So now, like, Josh Rosen's draft value just plummeting and plummeting and plummeting. I'm so irritated the Cardinals were doing this. Kyler Murray's terrible decision to do that at first overall, just absolutely terrible decision and honestly it's so irritating to me that like they've done this and the way that they've handled all this like i hope that both josh rosen and steve Wilkes are part of a super bowl winning organization before the cardinals are and honestly the odds are good on that too (laughs) i totally agree with you and that window has actually closed it is no longer open at all and they're gonna have to wait for a, a quarterback injury to be able to get anything at all for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have, you have two choices. You either have to sit on it and, like, I mean, how do you expect Josh Rosen to react to this, right? Like, if I'm Josh Rosen, he's been really good about this. Yep. He hasn't said anything. He showed up to work out. Like, he was mature and professional, even though the organization he's playing for wasn't. He, he handled this well, but at this point, he has no incentive to handle this well, right? Why would I help you get more back for me? Like, when you've done this to me. Because it's garbage. So they put this poor guy in this position, but they've also screwed themselves over because, like you said, you know, like you're either, you either have to wait, you're going to sit on this forever, waiting around to see if somebody gets an injury, or you're going to have to give him away now for nothing. Well, some team like Denver is going to go, well, I'll give you like a, a fourth rounder next right. year. Yep. Like, <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't you? You know, at this point, if I'm the Patriots, if I'm the Packers, if I'm the Chargers, I'm going to call them now about Josh Rosen because sure. I, why not? Like, he'll give you a fourth rounder. And then maybe this is my heir apparent when my older quarterback retires in a couple of years. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm getting a dude on a rookie contract who got like nothing, who has an incredibly high ceiling and who's going to be super, super motivated <laughs> because of what's happened to him. Absolutely. I mean, 
you can't buy this stuff. They're worse than the giant simulator, right? I mean, isn't this, this is the worst bungling of a draft of any piece, right? Yep. I totally agree with you there. All right. Uh, Samantha is going on vacation next week. Uh, for Samantha and yours truly, Bill Smith, thank you very much for listening. You guys have a great weekend, and I will be back on Monday with more information. For Samantha and yours truly, Bill Smith, thank you very much for listening. Bye now.